0: Well, good morning. Uh, You should have your Bibles open to Jeremiah chapter 8. Just one verse this morning. Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Well, we pick up the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is obviously speaking to a nation that is heading the wrong direction, and uh, he is brought to the southern kingdom, Uh, it's called Judah, the tribal area of Judah and Benjamin and the people who lived there wasn't just the two tribes, it was a mix of all the tribes that had, after the split, had moved south to be around the temple, so it's not just the two tribes, but it's two tribal areas and uh, they had undergone some revival over the years. Uh, Jeremiah emerged on the scene under a king uh, by the name of Josiah and he was a good and godly king who had a sincere heart towards the Lord and had implemented uh, some some revival in the kingdom and instituted some turning back to the Lord. And uh, Jeremiah first enters the scene uh, in the middle of Josiah's reign, maybe around 625 B.C. Jeremiah sent as a prophet, spokesman for God, and uh, begins to tell the nation that they're headed the wrong direction. When we uh, pick it up in... Jeremiah chapter 8 really that verse comes out of one block of texts that all fit together chapters 7 through 10 and Jeremiah has um, uh, been speaking during the time of the next king Uh, not Josiah but uh, perhaps at the end of Jehoahaz uh, his time or maybe at the beginning of Jehoiakim maybe around 607 BC and um Uh, Again, Josiah had uh, died around 610 and uh, his influence, his godly influence on that that southern uh, area of Judah had come to an end. And uh, though there had been some revival and some things that they had put together under Josiah, as soon as his influence was gone, uh, the general population of people was uh, very much bent away from the Lord. And they moved very quickly back into the old idolatry that the previous kings had um, led them in, and um, you know he has a lot of things to say to them in these chapters. This, this is a, a, a set of messages, uh, one message, chapter seven through ten, that Jeremiah is supposed to deliver right at the gate of, uh, right at the gate of the temple, supposed to stand right there and speak to the crowds that were probably gathering for some sort of festive holiday so he has a lot of things to say to them. We don't have, uh, we've looked at those in depth on Wednesday evenings. Um, but this is a very, very interesting verse. The harvest is past. The summer has ended and we are not saved. Amidst all the other ways he's trying to get their attention, he tries to, the Lord, through Jeremiah, tries to get the people's attention by bringing them their own words that they will say sometime in the future. This is what you will be saying, he said. Uh, and and it, it's a reflection of what you will be thinking. You know, that's, a, that's actually, a, a, should be a familiar way of, um, you know, trying to trying to change somebody's way of thinking. If you're a parent, certainly that's a, a um, common way of trying to get your kids' attention, right? When you get older, I know where you're going. And so you're going to want to know how to, and then fill in the blank with some important thing that, that they need to know that they're just not thinking clearly out because they're not old enough and they're, they they you know and but but you being the mature person knowing what's ahead of them understand that when they get to that place they're going to want to avoid a situation where they're just full of regret because they don't know something they they had the ch- the opportunity and you're motivated you know, to do that for love. I mean, okay, yeah, maybe you're motivated because you don't want to keep tying their shoes for the rest of their life, but eventually far more serious and, and important things you teach them because they get to that place. You don't want them to miss out. And, and it's the Lord out of love for his people also is reaching out to them in the same way, trying to give them a future tense of thinking. Um, this is where you're going to be. And if you could see the heavy regret you are going to be in, that's going to come out of the misery your actions are leading to, if you could just get a, a, a taste of that now, well, you could change your course of action now. You know, that, that's wisdom, right? I mean, to change your course of action, change the way you're thinking, that's, the Bible calls that repentance, right? I mean, we're familiar with that term. Change the way you're thinking about actions because the end of those actions are in the wrong place, you don't want to be there, so change the way you're thinking, thus change the way you're acting, thus change the direction you're going to end up in. So Judah, the southern kingdom, is closing in on one of those places uh, very quickly. Again, if this text, if we, have it, if we have it dated properly, somewhere around 607 BC, they're in heavy sin. Go back to chapter 7, verse 9, and, the, and in the midst of the message that Jeremiah is bringing by the word of the Lord, he says, Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, fr- swear falsely, burn incense to Baal, and walk after other gods whom you do not know, and then come and stand before me in this house? They're in some heavy sin. He's saying eventually you're going to be in a place of judgment and that place of judgment for them would be captivity. They're going to look back on that time with great amount of regret and recognize the many, many opportunities they had to change. They plainly ignored, rejected. Um, and you're going to wish, he's saying, you're going to wish you had those back. Um, You know, eventually the circumstances, as we know from the Bible, eventually those circumstances are going to be beyond repair, right? Uh, If this is dated correctly, 607 B.C., some 605 Nebuchadnezzar out of Babylon is going to um, be down uh, in the south uh, beyond um, Israel and Judah. And he's going to be in a battle with Pharaoh um, and he's going to defeat the pharaoh at the Battle of Carchemish, famous ancient battle. On his way back up, he's going to invade Jerusalem, that southern kingdom, and to avoid the, the place being completely destroyed, the king is going to change uh, his allegiance from Egypt to Babylon. That's going to be the first signal of the end. But, but they're, going to, they're going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar again, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to come down and invade them again. And this time, he's going to deport a lot of people, In probably 597. He's going to uh, uh, deport maybe 10,000. Then finally, after they, again, change their allegiance and their loyalties from Babylon back to Egypt, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, ruling over uh, Babylon, is going to send down his general to, to deal with this once and for all. 586 B.C., he's going to siege the place after a lengthy siege, he's going to penetrate the wall, and he's going to. The population of, of Judah and Jerusalem is either going to be killed or hauled off to captivity, except for the poorest. And in the, at that point, the captives would be thinking this way, with this in mind this didn't need to happen. We, as they look back on it, they, that would be a large portion of their regret. We could have avoided this. You know, and look, um, you know, the Lord sometimes does have to act that way towards his people. And, in the, in, you know, the, the good news is he will bring it back around, right? They didn't pay attention and they walked past the warnings. And uh, they had to have a big fat time out. And um, but the, you know the Lord in His grace, He brought it back around. They had to wait some seventy years before they were brought back to the land, and were able to reinstitute what their you know what their heart was aimed at. So avoiding future regret, heavy regret of a you know is a powerful motivation. Can be now, uh, you know those 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 wake up calls are usually tended by big events, big changes. Finally, get people's attention. You look back and you recognize, you know, that's that's half of the misery. The position is realize this was completely avoidable, and we foolishly ignored them. The harvest is past; the summer is ended, and we are not saved. You know, this is this is written to God's people. This is written to God's people. It's not written to the world. It's not written to. Um, for the nations that don't know the Lord. This is written to God's people. So for believers, um, you know, let's try to apply this to ourselves. Um you know, granted, we're believers, right? We're supposed to be here in church this morning. We uh we know what lies in front of us in many ways. We may not know the timing, but uh, you know, we've trusted the Lord for his salvation. We know it's not of works, right? We're not working our way to heaven. It's only because Jesus has died on the cross for us, took our sin upon him, and in our place, paid that penalty for us on the cross. And then when he's, after his death and his burial, he's raised from the dead on the third day to prove that that payment is complete. We're very confident of our arrival in heaven. In John 6, 47, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. You should memorize that. You probably already have that memorized. 1 John 5, 11 to 12, this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. This life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. You have the Son this morning. You have life. Praise the Lord, that's wonderful. That doesn't mean, though, we are immune from living a life that at the end would be full of regret. So, the question is, what kind of life is that that leads to an endpoint of regret, even though you're a believer? Well, it's very simply: Are you investing in the kingdom? Are you laboring for the kingdom? I mean, that's 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 one way this verse can very plainly speak to us. Um, the idea of this verse is they had opportunities that went right by them over and over again, and they did nothing about them. Um, a life that would be full of regret at the end, even though being a believer is one that would get to the end and look back and say, I could have done so much more. I could have taken so many more opportunities to serve the Lord, to give, to go, to serve. Take a step of faith. We could, you know, the scriptures very plainly say we could wind up in a place with very little to show for what may be years or decades in the Lord. And that's a very regretful position, right? You look back, and that time cannot be gotten back. Those opportunities cannot be retrieved. I think this verse speaks very interesting to that. Because look at the language it says. The summer is past. The harvest is past. The summer is ended you know, the Bible uses that language to talk about the opportunities, right? I mean, very plainly. It talks about, um, you know, there's, there's going to be a time when there's no more chances to reap for the kingdom, to see an increase in fruitfulness. Um, Jesus uses very language regarding opportunities. You remember, um, he's trying to train his disciples, and they travel through Samaria. The woman at the well story, you know it. Probably sits down, sits down by the well. The, he sends the disciples into town to get something to eat. And uh, he ends up with the conversation with the woman at the well there, right? And and she eventually leaves Jesus, goes into town also. The disciples come back with, you know, habanero burritos, and that's it. Uh, and, um, and And Jesus says to him, Look, I say to you, or behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. You're familiar with that text, but don't miss the comparison that goes on in that story. I mean, there is a city Jesus wanted to reach. He pulls up right next to it, and he sends the 12 apostles into the city. And what do they bring back? Food. <laughs> They're sent into the city. And they bring back only food. And yet he, then he sends someone else. And she brings, what does she bring back? She brings back the whole city. Hmm. One woman brings the whole city. She was willing to go to that city and speak openly. Take a chance. Throw herself out there to speak plainly. You know, Proverbs speaks plainly about this kind of opportunity and not missing it. Proverbs is, you might be familiar with the structure of Proverbs. The first nine chapters is looked at as kind of an introduction. It's not that there's nothing written there, but when the Proverbs start to come, they start to come in chapter 10 in a lot of ways. One of the first things that, that the Lord lays down in Proverbs Chapter 10, verse 5. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. I think that son, when he came to his senses, was full of regret. He's embarrassed, probably. You know, I don't know if you've thought about heaven in that fashion, in this kind of a fashion that that Jeremiah 8.20 speaks to us. But... You know, for all the things that heaven is, one of the things it is, is that it's no more opportunity to serve the Lord in a hostile environment. You know, saints down through the ages have counted that as such an honor to be able to suffer for the Lord and to give themselves away in a hostile environment. And I know the United States isn't all that set towards hostility towards Christians, but it's growing. It's getting more serious. And more, it'll. It's only going to get worse, right? Jesus said, "Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Um, you know." Uh, when, when I was younger, I registered for the draft, you know, when I was 18, coming out of high school in California, I registered for the draft. I had no interest in going to the military. When I got older, after I got saved, and, and saw the, um, you know, the, the the dignity and the the value of military service, I kind of longed for it in some ways. And I checked in on, you know, some things, and, and they don't want you past 35. They don't want, you're just too old, sorry. They got to you know you gotta wheel you around and stuff you're just too old and so I I had missed my opportunity uh, for military service but um, you know in the kingdom it's never too late It's, it's never too late to get into action I don't care how old you are or how young you are it's never too late it's not too early so how are you investing your life the uniqueness of you yeah you're unique you got giftings. You got a personality that the Lord has crafted. He set you in a place, in a in a sphere of influence. Your workplace, your family. Where are you for the kingdom? You know, I, I like the power of this idea in Jeremiah eight twenty, um, from a positive standpoint. Yeah, I know this is kind of a negative standpoint, and and um, that's true. But there's also a positive standpoint here if you think about it. Um, you know, in again, in the future, we know if we've believed Jesus for his salvation. We know we're going to see the Lord. And, and, of course, you know, so many things will go through our hearts and minds at that moment. You know, I, I prefer it to be the rapture. I, I, you know, that would be great. But if I go just the normal path of life and death, that's okay. But when I see him, for all the things that will go through my mind, I know that one of the things I will think is, I wish I had given him more. So where can you and I, where can we, take a chance for the Lord? What more can we do? Where can we go? Where can we serve? What our opportunity is open now? This verse the harvest is past, the summer is ended, we are not saved. It's it speaks about learning to go forward based on having missed opportunities in the past. What opportunities do you regret not having taken for the Lord in the past? Let those speak to you. Let those instruct you in the opportunity you have now. Don't miss it. You might see the Lord do something amazing. Don't let it slide past. Look, um, you know, you, you like those stories. I do, too, about people who have taken steps of faith, right? Some huge step of faith. We say this all the time. I say it all the time. We serve a great God. We should be doing great things. And there's lots of stories out there, people who have done great things. Love, I love seeing the stories of how the Lord has used some average person in some great way. But nobody starts there, do they? They started in the small things. If, you're, if you are in that place, start taking a step somewhere. Start in the small things. Pray, pray, pray for the Lord to do something small. You, you see something small you want to do, do it. Pray for it. Take a step of faith. You've got to start somewhere. We, we want to end our time here on Earth without regret. That's the ideal. You know, I'm not sure that's entirely possible. But as as much as depends on us, we should aim for that. I I think Paul's a good example of that, you know. The Apostle Paul, he gave him over certainly himself to uh, the ministry that he was called to. Yeah, it was unique and not to be repeated in a lot of ways. Um, But uh, he did not certainly go in part way, you know, as they, they say, I'm all in. Paul certainly was all in. He could say this at the end, I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. He knew it was over for himself. But instead of being full regret, he said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness and Lest he, you know, lest we all think, well, that was just for him. No, he says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. It's available. That kind of, that kind of uh, joy, in the end, is available to each one of us. Jesus, obviously, our example, is he prayed that last high priestly prayer, John 17 said i have finished the work you have given me to do what a great thing to be able to say to do the work what does the lord set before you i think jeremiah 8 20 can speak to us plainly about that opportunity it's sitting before you now go for it do it don't be afraid I think that's one way that, that this verse, "The harvest is past, the summer's ended, we are not saved," can speak to us. Don't miss the opportunity. But I, I, Jeremiah 820 speaks to us, I think, in other ways also, uh, speaks to believers about other kinds of future events. I think it plainly points a finger at the necessity for believers to get out of sin. Sin is going to blow up on you. It's gonna. We've said it before. We'll say it again. It's gonna take you farther than you want it to go. You know, I don't know who or what it might be uh, this. This message might be falling on somebody out there is is a believer, been around a believer for for a time, and you're dabbling in sin secretly. You think you got it under control. Something that's drawn you back, an old temptation that you're struggling with, and now you're dabbling with it again. I don't know what it is. You do. You think you have it under control. Well, there's two things that you're overlooking in this dynamic right now. Here's the first thing that this would speak to us about, Jeremiah 20 would speak to us about in your situation. The first thing, the Lord doesn't see it the way you see it. The Lord doesn't see it as something small, inconspicuous, harmless. He doesn't see it that way. This is sin, and you need to get out of your life and he's, he's not lowering the boom kind of that way that everybody expects him to because he's patient and he loves you. And he wants you to take care of it quietly between him and you. And just be done with it. Just, just forget about it. That's, that's what he wants. He's waiting for you to come to your senses about this. But here's the second dynamic. The devil wants to use this in your life and he wants it to stay there, and he wants us to slow simmer, and he wants to use it against you in the future. Sometime, maybe in the future, when you have an opportunity to serve the Lord, or some, something comes about when you now have the opportunity to speak, the devil's gonna blow this up on you. You're gonna think, you're gonna think back to those times, and you say, well, Why didn't I get this out of my life? So, again, Jeremiah 8.20 is written to believers a future tense. So, brother, sister who's toying with sin, let's go into the future with you. Hey. Let's go into the future with your toying with sin. And let's watch it blow up on you. Just hypothesize. What have you lost? Where are you? What is unretrievable? Unretrievable? How has life changed for you? Is is there a mess that changes your life? Just imagine it that way. Imagine the sorrow. Imagine the grief. The humiliation of exposure. Other consequences. Let that moment teach you now. And stop. Repent. Get the sin out of your life. The devil comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Sin gives birth to death when full grown. Now you weren't probably planning on memorizing a verse this morning, but I think it's easy to memorize this one. Do you remember the old song, The Farmer in the Dell? The farmer in the dell, the farmer in the dell, hi-ho the dairy-o, the farmer in the dell. You, that's, okay, that's etched into your mind now, and you're never going to forget it, and you'll be singing it all day. We're going to change the words. You're going to memorize a verse. Here you go. You ready? It goes like this. It's Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Galatians 6, verse 7. Let Jeremiah 8, 20 speak to you that way. Let the same wisdom they needed come to you now. You need help overcoming a sin. You know, that's part of being in the body of Christ. We're all overcoming sin. Don't be embarrassed by it. After the service, you find some mature people to help you, pray with you. They, you know, if they judge you for that, that's their sin that they need to pray for. <laughs> the body of Christ, you need the body of Christ praying for you to overcome that sin. Jeremiah 8.20 speaks to us about the need to get out of sin. But Jeremiah also, 8.20, also I think speaks to plainly, the need for those who have not believed, um, and that regret in that situation is of the most serious nature. The harvest is past; summer has ended, and we are not saved. You know, it, it ties in the, uh, the the agricultural idea of there was a time to make that decision to act. And we missed it. And it's inexcusable. God's word God's words, full of the calls to repentance over and over and over. And it's being sown every day out there in the United States on the airwaves. And personal lives. People talking to one another about the realities of needing to believe. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here, right now. You can enter in by believing, trusting trusting that Jesus has accomplished everything necessary to guarantee you heaven instead of guaranteeing you hell as you are now. Again, you know, there's times in scripture, like Jeremiah 8.20, when there's a forward-looking vision and and a, a view from that position, and we're supposed to digest that. Let's go to Luke 16 and look at the scripture. What it says in this very situation of looking back with regret. Jesus tells a story about a rich man and Lazarus. Um, the, he says in chapter uh, 16, starting in verse 19, he says there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day. You know, he he was well appointed, current fashions. You know, he's got all of his juicing lined up, he's he dines as he wants to, he's, his his houses, you know, added onto, he's considering remodels, he's got the you know latest chariot. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. This guy's bad shape. He'd be willing to eat out of the guy's trash can. He's so sick, so helpless. He got no health care. It says moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Yuck. So it was, verse 22, so it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And that's the end of the material side, the earth side of the story. But we are like, like Jeremiah 8.20, brought out beyond this material endpoint, and given a view to what they are thinking and feeling Beyond the veil being uh, torn right that end of the life and uh, verse 23 is a heavy verse let it speak and being in torments in Hades he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom and he cried he basically says can you relieve me just a little bit and the response comes back I'm sorry it's too late there is no more relief. The guy's full of regret. He says, verse 27, he says, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him, Lazarus, being the dead guy that his family would recognize, send them to my father's house. I got five brothers that he may testify to them lest they also come to this place of torment. They obviously, his family obviously would recognize this guy. You know, probably the brothers went over to his house. He, you know, brother, the brothers well off. He's situated. I'd go to you know, if I had a wealthy guy in town who related to me, I'd go to his house all the time too. And they see the guy, you know, walk past the the beggar at the front. deck. get rid of that guy. Man, he smells. And you know, and the idea that the guy in who's now in torment. The idea is, send that guy back. They'll recognize him. And and it'll make sense to them. Again, the reply comes back. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. Basically, the, the reply comes. Look, they have, they have people telling them the truth right now. And if they don't want to hear that, they're not going to hear anything else. Look, I, you know, I don't know who this message is coming to Bible does in this verse speak to believers who need to take advantage of opportunities to serve the Lord to take advantage of every opportunity the Lord has given you to serve him to glorify him we want those things or to get out of sin do it now but it plainly speaks also to those who aren't saved you need to be saved Someone handed you this message, you turned on the internet and there's this guy standing there telling you you need to be saved. You turned on the cable channel and there's a guy talking to you about you need to be saved. Sin is real. Your sin is real. The penalty for your sin is real. The free offer of forgiveness available to you is real right now. Out of God's love for you, Look, you've made lots of plans, right? You got lots of things in place for the future: your career path, your uh, financial plans, insurance, and retirement plans. That's good. You've planned that way. Everybody's supposed to, right? But you haven't gone far enough. You haven't gone far enough in your planning. Let's just keep watching, walking down those plans you have. Your career, great. That's wonderful. I hope you succeed. Your financial plans, the traditional milestones you're going to pass wonderful we'll be there to, to to celebrate with you then what well go far enough out there's retirement great we'll be there we'll buy your watch keep going now now what because you're going to be there you've planned for the inevitable what else is inevitable well health care issues Okay, you haven't gone far enough go farther then what death yeah death uh, you know, I, I, I don't read a lot of papers, but I read the obituary page once in a while. I, I don't know. It's kind of a sick fascination I have. Um, they speak to me. I don't know who the people are at the obituary pages, but, you know, and I've written my own, uh, not mine, but uh, I've written obituaries before. I've helped people write them. And I'll tell you a little secret. I don't think those who, about whom the obituaries are written, I don't think they care what their obituary says. Because they're dead. And all they care about is whether they were saved. Look, Jeremiah 8 20 is warning you this morning there's coming a time where you're going to be very happy you took advantage of an opportunity like this, or you're going to be so full of regret. You can secure the blessings to avoid that, and you can do it this morning. Look, Today It says, today is the day of salvation. In a minute, we're going to be done. And we're going to stand and we're going to pray. And if that's you, in our time of prayer, we're going we're to offer a time when you can make a prayer your own to believe. You do that in the quietness of your heart. I don't know where you are. You're driving down the road. You're on a boat listening by internet. I don't know. But you need to make this your time to be saved. Let's stand and we'll do that now. As we finish this morning, we're going to pray. We're going to pray and thank the Lord, and then we're going to give an opportunity for those to pray along with something. And look, it's again, the Lord's not looking for any special recipe or words to believe. It's not that you need to say what we tell you to say. But you need to, I know from being a pastor for 20 something years, you need to have a time and a place when you know you accepted the Lord. Not some fuzzy time when I think I turned toward the Lord, then no. You need to pray and know for your own assurance that you turned toward the Lord. So let's pray. We'll thank the Lord, those who are believers, and those who aren't, you can pray along. And we'll give you the warning about that. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We thank you that uh, you call us to and give us these opportunities to serve you. Thank you, Father. We rejoice in them. Give us the faith and the boldness to take those steps. You might be glorified in our life. That's our great joy, that you would be glorified. We pray for those who need to get out of sin, Lord. Those believers who are messing around, give them the courage to pray with someone to add some accountability to their life. Thank you, Lord. And then those who are making that decision this morning, Lord, let them take this prayer as their own, that they might be saved. The quietness of your own heart, you can say this, Dear Lord, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe that I'm a sinner, and that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead, and I take that salvation as my own, and thank you, Thank you for rising from the dead for me. Thank you, Lord. Lead me and guide me. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.